magnificent, marvelous, matchless love. Creation is brimming with thankfulness, the mountains exalt in stand. The seasons rejoice in your faithfulness, all life is sustained by your hand. You crown every meadow with color, you paint every shade in the sky. Each day the dawn wakes as an encore of magnificent, marvelous, matchless love. How great, how sure is love in morning family I just realized how much I miss saying that you know what um, I I know we are all aching to get back into a church building together but we could do a bit worse than this I tell you what this is pretty nice up here isn't it amen it's great to see you guys what a great turnout we have this morning um, just some housekeeping and some announcements before we get into our service today we do have um, we do have a baptism uh, at the end of this service. So immediately following after the service, down at the water slide, um, we are going to be having a, ba a baptism. 
for those of you who might have some trouble walking down there, there's not a lot of space to park cars, but there is a few spots to park cars. If you want to find somebody that can show you down there, there is an option for a few cars you could drive down the road. If you've never been here before, you could just follow the mob and everybody else knows. If you've never been here before, actually, I'll give you a few directions. Bathrooms are at, at the end of this building over here, too. So if you have to go in the middle of the service, everybody knows. So just just putting that out there. Uh, where's Glenn Rank? Is he here? Where's Okay, I hope he is because he has nursery, right? That okay. So that was the question. So behind the sound booth, right back here, these lovely ladies are going to be taking, I think, four and under. Is that the rumors I've heard? So kids four and under. We do have nursery that's going to be watched back there. Um, other than that, let me call on, I'll start with Paul. Why don't you come on up? Hey, everybody. Good morning. A um, couple of things. Uh, first off, just a quick little reminder of how great it has been up here. I don't know how much um, you guys have heard from Molly and Felipe and myself, but our day camps have been going so great up here at camp. Uh, and it's been neat. We've been watching kids respond to the gospel, which um, I shouldn't be surprised by those things, but I always am. Uh, when you go, oh, everything's different. You're only here for a day. Are we really going to get into a deep conversation? And yet they have. They've had deep conversations with kids about God's word. They've had a couple of kids who have responded in trust of their Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it has just been a really neat summer watching that happen. It's been a really neat summer watching our counselors adapt and jump into it and just take charge with this new, new thing that's totally different and just embrace it and make it something good and finding good things out of it even when it's hard. So it's been a really neat summer for us up here. We've been really glad that uh, the Lord has allowed us to be open even in the ways in which we are. And so we're just super thankful for what God has done. Um, just a couple of reminders on the back of your bulletin is the housekeeping rules from the church. And that's what you guys are here today under. You guys are here as a house of worship. Um, so just like when you show up at the Rourke's or at the Warner's, um, I know that there's a lot of us that just camp is like a second home, um, and it feels like that, but just remember that we do have to follow uh, the guidelines of it as if we were at a church, and that allows us to keep open and to continue to have those kids coming and uh, just to continue to uh, operate in, s in a fashion up here. So if you guys can help us in following those guidelines with whatever you're doing uh, today, that would be great. Um, and along those lines, we'll also need some turnaround time to get things cleaned up before the kids show up. So um, if you guys can be trying to head out of camp around 2 to 2.30 would help us have enough time to have a turnaround and, and some, some good break before the kids show up tomorrow morning. Um, along those lines, too, I also have a dog running around. Please don't feed my dog. Um, he'll get really fat and slow, and we want him to still chase squirrels. So we'll feed him and he'll be happy. Uh, along the idea of eating, um, I did, we got a great donation this year of a five-gallon ice cream maker, and I'm still experimenting, so I'm hoping you'll experiment with me. Um, 
I'll have a little donation bucket around 1 o'clock and an ice cream serving station. So if you want some homemade ice cream, come on up. And uh, I would ask that children come with your families. So you have to have your parent with you uh, if you're a child so that uh, we know that you're actually supposed to be getting ice cream and it's not your 10th one. Um, that's, that's about it. If you are an older person and you still have to be responsible like that, you might want to bring your spouse with you so that we know how many times you've come and how many ice creams you're allowed to have. All right, thanks so much. Okay, one o'clock ice cream. We got it. Got that. Um, I believe uh, Dan Reynolds, where are you? Was I supposed to call on you too? Somebody else told me I was calling. Sherry Sherlin. John or Sherry Sherlin. Yay, welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, that's so exciting. Praise the Lord for that. While we're on, on visitors, is there any other visitors here for the first time to Oak Grove Fellowship? And you're still hanging out with those Griffiths, huh? Oh, I'm sorry about that. But welcome back, Glenda. Welcome. That's a long trip, but we we're so glad to have you guys. Okay, anybody else here this morning? How exciting. Okay. Felipe, did you have something? Okay, yeah. one more. Good morning, family. How are you guys doing? I'm really happy. I love this place. I got married here with my beautiful wife, Molly. And we love this place, and we, we love to serve here. And also, as you guys know, most of you guys don't know, but bro, you guys going to know. Uh, uh <laughs> We have uh, two graduators this year, which is Matthew Warner and I forgot your name, Courtney Jones. <laughs> 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 come on up, come on up, Matthew and Courtney, come up. These two guys are going to different schools. and But before we, we I want to, this is on? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Mm -hmm. uh, before we start on, I just want to ask them, like, where are you guys going? How we can be praying for you as a church, and she always had to say hello. But she's come on. No, please come on. You first. <laughs> Where are you going, and how we can pray as a church for you? Okay, okay. I'll get really close. 
Um, I'm going to George Fox University. I'm leaving soon. The 21st of August is my check-in day. Um, I'm going to study to become a nurse, and I'm very excited about that. And um, how you could be praying for me. Um, well, I've lived in the same house with the same community and the same everything my whole life. So this is definitely going to be a change, but I'm super excited about it. So just prayer that, like, I don't know, that meeting new people will go well and that, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where is it? It's in Newburgh, Oregon, which is close to Portland. Yeah. Um, I'm planning on staying at Shasta College for uh, probably a year to finish off my associates. Um, the main thing you guys can be praying for is I'm only a couple classes out for my associates, and I graduated high school a year early, so I'm only 17 as well. Um, but I don't know what I'm doing for my major yet. Uh, so I'm taking some transferable classes for a couple things, but just pray that I can kind of get that going because after this year, I'm going to need to be taking classes towards a major, and I don't really know where that is yet. So just pray for, for guidance in that. So as you guys know, uh, on behalf of uh, our elders, we have two Bibles for Corny. And I just want to take a moment right here. And if you guys have your Bibles, but if you don't have your Bible, that's fine. I just want to read a passage that is on their Bible that you're just uh, we're gonna give to them, uh, and it's Numbers six twenty four to twenty six. Uh, it says, "The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord lift uh, lift lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace." So I just wanna uh, remind you guys, these people here, our church. Elders are always are going to be supporting you in our praise, and if we can, we always gonna be there. And uh, I just wanna ask the the elders, and I also wanna uh, uh, ask Aaron and Daniel, come on up. I know you guys have been part of the youth group ministry leaders, and I know that you guys uh, have been mentoring and leading leading these kids. And how what a privilege! And Avi also Avi Brink, Avi, where is Avi? All right, uh, let's uh, just let's uh, keep in mind these two guys. Let's keep praying for them. They really need community, <laughs> and you, as you guys know, most of you guys know, when you go to college, it's really hard. Sometimes you struggle with community, but I know that God is giving them the gift, talents to be a part of a good community, and just keep praying for them. And uh, I just want to give this to you, Corny. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for these two uh, young people, Lord. Just thank you for Matthew and Courtney and just their faith in you, their trust in you. Lord, we just pray your protection for them as they make this uh, transition in life. And Lord, just think of uh, Courtney's prayer request that you just uh, give her peace and guide her. She's going to be away from her family for the first time, Lord. Just pray that you bring uh, strong Christian friends into her life, Lord, and that they would just go stronger together, that they would grow in their faith. Just pray that she'd always remember 
that you are always with her. You never uh, leave us, Lord. And just pray for uh, Matthew as well. Just pray that you continue to give him wisdom and just uh, peace as well. And just pray that you guide him as he uh, tries to decide what his uh, career endeavor is going to be and what he should be studying in school. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for these two and just their testimony that Jesus is Lord. Lord, we just pray that you'd use them in a special way to share the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord to a world that's just dying apart from you, Lord. And so we just pray that you protect them from the enemy. Just pray that they'd remain close to you, Lord, and just pray that you'd use them in a special way. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you didn't hear that, zucchini and cucumbers in the boxes over here. If you guys are up for them, go ahead and grab those after service. Okay, is there any other announcements before we move forward on to music? Anything else? Okay. Dan and team, why don't you guys come on up? forgot to mention the first time that all of our songs are in the little brochure, but I'm, I'm sure you guys figured that out <laughs> since it is the first page. <laughs> uh, let's stand up as we sing a couple more together. Well 
dwells in the presence of his people. Oh, how good it is to embrace his command, to prefer one another, give as he forgives. Of the Son with the Father and the Spirit. So with one voice we'll sing to the Lord, and with one heart we'll live out His word till the whole earth sees the Redeemer has come, for He dwells. appropriate song, huh? And to gather up here, I, I, Jerry has already said he's going to give a plug for Mountain Meadows, so I can't say much, but this place has definitely been a pivotal point in my life at a, a lot of a lot of key times, and I, I know just looking out in the crowd, I can see a lot of you out there that are some of you younger than me and some of you older than me that I know that that's true as well. And so this is just, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to be singing with our family, and uh, yeah, I don't have much more to say, but it's definitely I, I'm I'm blessed to be here and I'm excited. So Come 
see and we can smell um, the creation around us Lord our, we have all of our senses about us and we can see and we can hear the people around us singing and playing music together Lord um, there's just such a blessing to be here uh, to be unified in spirit to be able to, to lift our voices up to you Lord and sing I just pray that God that today you would bind us together in spirit Lord I just these times are so strange that we live in and many of us all of us are are trying to navigate what it looks like to be the church what it looks like to live for you in this time lord i just pray that in our small groups when we leave here and in the way the church functions in general lord that we would give you glory lord that we would be united together in spirit lord just pray that today we would just we would come together and we would learn we would open our ears up to hear what you have for us lord we just thank you and love you in your name. Amen. You guys can be seated.
Well, I get to sing a song um, for you guys this morning. It's one that I really, I really always loved, and I've always been like, man, I really want to sing that sometime for our church, but it just never seemed to fit. Uh, but you know, just sitting here, thank you, Dan, so much for that music. It was so great to be singing those songs, and that lost song um, was just a neat song because it had both both a call to those around us, behold our God, and also the the personal call back to our Lord of just you will reign forever, let your glory fill the earth, and and it was just it was really fun. Um, I know a while back I forget who it was, whether it was Jerry or someone else that pr- was preaching and said we need to sing to each other sometimes. And so it was neat to be able to turn to my family and sing that to them. Behold our God um, seated on his throne and behold our king. Nothing can compare to him. You know, as Jerry's been talking to us about the gospel according to the scriptures. And um, when I was asking him about music a couple weeks ago, he was talking about where we were going with the gospel message and and according to scriptures and and they said, yeah, you know, at some point we're going to talk about people's responses to that gospel and how different people responded. And and I thought of this song that, uh, that I'm going to be singing for you guys. Uh, and it, that doesn't go any higher. Uh, we'll go with that level. I can look down. I'm talented some days. Thank you. I married a good woman. Yeah. So I just hope you guys enjoy this song, um, listening to the words and just seeing it's a couple. Uh, it's, it's two familiar stories. If you've been around um, the church for a while, if, if you haven't been around the church for a while, it's two stories that you can find in Scripture about some different people and how they responded to the Lord and to his calling in their life and what he was doing with them. And then the third the third verse is more of a reflection for ourselves and, and maybe an application um, into ourselves of being able to come under the Lord. So hope you enjoy it. It's called Simple Living. Young men came to ask of Christ, Teacher, will you tell me what must I do for eternal life? Kept your laws completely. Sell all you have, give to the poor. Then heaven's treasure shall be yours. How hard for those who are rich on the wealth of heaven now Jesus sat by the offering gate as people brought their money the rich they filled the collection plate the widow gave a penny now she's out giving all the rest Her gift was all that she possessed. Not what you give, but what you keep is what the king is counting. 
Go teach me, Lord, to walk this road, this road of simple living, to be content with what I own, and generous in giving. And when I cling to what I have, please rest it quickly from my grasp. I'd rather lose all the things of earth to gain the things of heaven. Yes, I'd rather lose all the things of earth to gain the things of heaven. This church is blessed with some of the greatest music talent. The Lord has really blessed us with that, and I appreciate that song very much today and all the music. Jerry's reading today is found in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. <clears throat> and these scriptures would take care of that later. These scriptures are some of the most foundational in the Bible regarding our salvation. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. The word justification means just as if I'd never sinned. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man? Say with me, please, his name. Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through this disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, 
so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. May God bless the reading of his word today. Thank you. Hey, I told you I'd see you back there, and I'm getting closer. We got some folks that come in when they know I'm preaching, they just get as far away as they possibly can. I'm going to try to hang out in the shade here a little bit. Are you glad to be at Mountain Meadows? Well, I'd say. There's some notes in here on a sermon. Thank you, Chuck, for reading that, and thank you for your comment that it is some of the very foundational teaching in Scripture on our salvation. And sitting over there a while ago, just um, as Dan began to talk a little bit about what camp means to him, <clears throat> and uh, I won't bore you with a lot of stories, but I, I would like to tell you that about 55 years ago, the first lesson that I ever taught teenagers of at camp was right down there in that little hollow before you get to the water truck, and there was a little grassy area in there and one building up here to eat in and no places to hold classes or anything. And so we hunted the shade like we are today and uh, set up a little classroom down there and, and uh, had a chance to speak to teenagers. Courtney Matthew, um, you bless my heart being up here this morning seeing you getting ready to enter college and um, it's a special time of life and I can certainly sympathize with Courtney about going living in one place in one home and and uh, one family and then going off and living with a bunch of crazy kids <clears throat> and uh, Quite frankly, I'll warn you, you're going off to live with a bunch of crazy kids, but you're also going off to listen and be taught. And today and next Sunday will be more of a warning for you um, on how you take your faith with you and what things you do believe and what things you don't believe. We are in the middle of a five-part series on teaching on the gospel according to scripture. And 
the first teaching was uh, we're following that idea in first corinthians chapter 15 where paul is explaining in very stark um, minimum terms the gospel christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and then he's going to go on and say he was resurrected according to the scriptures and so i'm going back to that theme of Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And I'm sure that some of you would, as I've taught through the first two, said, well, who doesn't believe that stuff? That's scripture. And, um, and that's good. And, and some of you may be uh, trying to struggle with who um, what the gospel is and who Jesus is, who Christ is, who God is, how that impacts your life and what's your response to that. If you're in that category, well, then keep on studying scripture, keep on uh, searching for him. He who seeks out God will not will be rewarded. God will reveal himself to you if you honestly are seeking him. But the first uh, teaching was on the idea of who Jesus is, not just our Savior, but our Lord, our King. Uh, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And in that service, while we were teaching that, uh, I gave a little foot washing demonstration. And it's, it, believe me, this is, stuff is not planned <laughs> by me or anybody else in the church, I think, but uh, that was interesting because that fit right in that day with foot washing. And so I, I used that. Uh, our, our Father, our God, our Creator, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, also came as a servant that he might serve many. And so washing of his disciples' feet was a show and tell of that that was not missed at all by his disciples. It was almost unbelievable uh, for them. Peter responded to it and said, no, no, not wash my feet. And then Jesus explained to him that you can be washed totally and cleaned in your salvation, but you need to have your feet washed from time to time and the cleansing of our sin. And so Peter got the lesson. And then the following Sunday, um, we centered on the truth, died. Christ died for our sin. And that happened to be on a Sunday we could have communion. And so as we talked about Christ's death, uh, one of the points that I tried to emphasize was his shout of victory on the cross. When he should have been out of energy, when he should have been uh, going into a coma almost, he rises up and the last thing he says from the cross is, it is finished. And so we talked a little bit about that. What, what was finished? Well, our redemption that started in Genesis and went clear to the cross was finished. There was a pathway made for man to come back to God. You see, the, what started in Genesis with Adam and Eve's sin 
um, was dealt with all through the Old Testament in different ways, even as with a nation. And it was always bringing people back to forgiveness of sins and their faith in the Lord Jesus and God. And so we dealt with that. And then we had communion, speaking of his death. Um, today, interesting enough, uh, we, we skipped, I wasn't teaching last Sunday, and my buddy Ryan was here, and I know you appreciated the message, and I've heard that uh, what you've said about that. I was down in Cottonwood teaching, but <clears throat> what, a, what a saint, what a, what a good brother in the Lord. But that skipped that and skipped my teaching time and brought us back to today when we move on in the gospel message. It says, Christ died for our sins. Now we move to the idea of our sins. And wouldn't you know that we're going to have a baptism today that represents the washing away of our sins. The, the statement that we have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. So the, so the words in that in 1 Corinthians are very interesting. Christ died so you have Christ in his character and then you have Christ in his mission and then the spotlight turns from turns from God and his mission and his character to us our sins and so that's the theme all the way through scripture who is God what's his mission and who are people and it turns out that we're sinners and so today we want, I want to talk about that. Um, turn with me to, back to that Romans 5 passage. And we're going to go in a little bit of a strange direction that you might, you might think is a strange direction. But it's so, so important and on my heart. You see, the Bible teaches, and if you've been raised in church, Courtney and Matthew and all the rest of you young people, you, you have heard these things since you were small. And it doesn't seem strange to you to read a passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that says some things that are absolutely crazy to the Lord, to the world. Crazy. And so I, I, I guess if I was going to give a title to what I want to talk about today, I would call it the silliness of sin. What I mean by that is the silly notion of sin. The silly notion of a need for a sacrifice. Look at chapter 5, verse 12. This is what Paul says. Therefore, just as through one man centered into the world and death through sin, and you go, stop. Outside of the church and outside of those that are been raised in Christian families and know the scripture, you got to see the hand go up and say, whoa, 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 stop. Stop. What are you talking about? What, 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 what are you saying? One man. Oh, 
I know where you're going with this. I've heard it enough Bible stories, and I've heard enough said that I think I know where you're going. One man, sin entered the world. I think you're going to that garden and that Adam and that Eve and that snake and God. Seriously. Seriously. I'm, I, I, are you kidding me? You're telling me I need Jesus because of some mythological story of a garden and of an Adam and an Eve and a snake and God? And so what you're going to do is base your call for me to trust Christ as my Savior on that story? Uh, well, yeah. All right, all right, yeah. Uh, that, that's what I was going to do. You know why we don't witness more? Because we don't know where to start. And if you're taking notes, you need to get your pen out right now because this is going to be important. I'm going to drop this on you. You're going to love this. You're going to write it down. This is amazing. You know why you don't witness more? Because you don't know where to start. Now, here's which one right down. You know why you don't know where to start? Because you don't know where to start. Huh? That's a boilism. You can write that down. That. But but what am I what am I getting at? What am I? Why would I say something like that? You don't know where to start because you don't know where to start. If I start witnessing. Where do I start? Well, one of the reasons we're really bashful about our faith is that we're afraid that witnessing is going to take us to a garden, a man and a woman, a snake and God. And if we go there, and try to base Romans chapter 5, verse 12 on what Paul is saying, surely we're going to be confronted with the idea that that is simply not reality. That is not objective truth. Verse 12. Let me get back to it. The wind has blown my paper. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so sin, sin, death spread to all men because all sin. That's where Paul goes back to. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. 19. For as through the one man, one man's disobedience, 
the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. That's where Paul goes. He goes back to the garden. Adam and Eve, the snake and God. And he seems to do it in all confidence. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking about that. Now, if, if we were going to take a literal translation, an interpretation of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, if we were going to say that a good hermeneutical, grammatical exegesis of that portion of Scripture, we will take it, basically what you and I would say, without all those other words, we're going to take that at face value. I think that's what it says, and I think I think I think that's what it means. Okay, so if we're going to do that, let me tell you or remind you of what comes up in your own mind. Everything was created in six days. Everything. Everything. Universe. Earth. Man. Animals. Vegetation. Six days. It all came into being. Uh, Jerry, you know where that puts me in the culture in which I live? It puts me as ignorant, stupid, superstitious, and nuts. What? Okay, how about this one? Number two, man and animals, dinosaurs, mammoths, they were all living at the same time. If I take it literally, they all live at the same time. Dinosaurs, mammoths, woolly boogers, <laughs> you name it. All the vegetation, all the animals. Man was there. You know how crazy that is? To weigh our way of thinking outside of biblical truth? That's crazy. Here's another one. Man was created instantly, complete and perfect, and there was no transition. Neanderthal. By the way, I just read a really interesting article. Maybe I can bring it and read some of it to you um, next week from a um, secular publication called Tree Hugger. And uh, it's really, really interesting because I think they say six things or seven things, I don't remember the exact number, that we had wrong about Neanderthal man. You're right. The more you discover and the more your science is honest, the more you figure out that there was just one human species, man, and he was created 
at one time. And they're, they're finding these things. I just, one of them was, I just remember maybe the first one. It said, we, and this is not biblical at all. This is a secular evolutionist kind of an article. And he said, but, but one of the things that we uh, always were taught was that Neanderthal man was bent over and his arms hanging down and, and da-da-da-da-da-da. All recent discovery shows that he stood very erect, probably even more erect than man today. And then it goes on with all these other things. But still trying to fit it all in on how it all evolved. But very interesting things. Um, number four. On close examination of the genealogies, you're going to end up with a young earth. A young earth. 6,000, 8,000, some say 10, but it's going to be, doesn't make any difference to that because it's young. If you're trying to make it fit in with science today, it doesn't make it 20,000. But it's, if you go through the genealogies, you're going to end up with a young earth. What rock you people been under that believe that? That was a play on words. Rock. Geology. Um, okay. I listed a couple more because I just wanted to be ornery. If you take the six-day creation, literally, and in order... Earth was created before the sun. Big Bang? Wait wait a minute. Hmm. Here's another one. If you take that account in the garden, literally, death come this is important and you guys that are going to college you, you remember this death comes after adam's sin when you're trying to when somebody's trying to get you to piece together the scripture oh yeah it's okay for you to believe the scripture but here's how it fits into science and you start trying to do all this jury mending with the with the scripture and science well, there's one problem that always is going to come up. The Bible teaches that death came after Adam's sin. You've been to Utah where they're taking those dinosaurs out of the rocks? Patty and I kids visited there some time ago. Death? The fossil record is a record of death and destruction. The scripture says that death didn't come until after Adam's sin. Now, if that's true, the death of those animals and the destruction of those animals had to come after Adam and Eve. We got problems. And then, on number seven, throw this in, just for fun. God told a man to build a big boat and put all the animals on it and float around during a flood and then when he got out, he could start populating the earth again. 
crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Never mind that ever... Ever, um, what I want to say, every um, human experience, civilization, has back in their uh, history a worldwide flood. Okay, so where are you going with this, Jerry? I'm going to ask you a question. you got to be honest with yourself. If there is absolutely indisputable, that means unable to be challenged or denied, if there is absolutely indisputable evidence that Genesis 1 is wrong, indisputable evidence that it's wrong, would you not believe it? Would you quit believing it? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let me give you this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Do you think there's any ambiguity in that? No. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of God, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, if there was absolutely indisputable evidence that that could not take place, would you quit believing it? You don't think there's indisputable evidence? <laughs> 20 minutes, Shayla can take you over there by yourself and explain to you that the egg of the woman cannot produce life without the semen from the man, from the sperm of the man. Now, it might not even take her 20 minutes to explain that, but she could draw pictures if she wants to. And I'm telling you, it is indisputable evidence that that can't happen. But you believe it, don't you? Why do you believe it? Because the Scripture says so. 
See where I'm going? Turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Maybe we'll get this to this in the future a little bit in my teaching. But it's Christ's encounter with Nicodemus. John chapter 3. Let's pick it up in 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it goes on. Okay, verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's talking about spiritual things, then he's mixing in physical things. And Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Watch these next words. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I... Circle this. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? If God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has told us earthly things and we don't believe them, how are you going to believe spiritual things? Got one more place I want you to go. Matthew, Mark. Turn with me to Mark. Pretty interesting. Mark chapter 10. Actually, right at the beginning of Mark chapter 10. If you were living at the time of Christ and were able to talk to the Son of God, the creator of this universe, would you have some questions you'd like to ask him? I would. I would. So let's just play the game that he is here. And we have a lot of questions. And I've been watching Dan and Aaron, and th they need to ask some of these questions to God. Th this question is about marriage. <laughs> No, I just, I just threw that out there. It doesn't have anything to do with you guys. Okay? But, but wouldn't, wouldn't today you love to ask God some questions about marriage? Divorce? Same-sex marriage? Whatever that comes to mind. Wouldn't you like to ask him? Well, there were some men, some Pharisees. And they had a question about marriage. And it's right here in Mark chapter 10. 
getting up, he went from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, crowds gathered around him, and according to his custom, he once more began to teach them. Some Pharisees, some very learned, educated, religious people, came to Jesus, testing him, and began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to them, what does Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. He says, but Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. Okay, you can figure out what Jesus thinks about divorce and remarriage and all that kind of stuff. That, that's not my point. But what, what did Christ use as his argument for marriage? Verse 6, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. What is he referring to? He's taking them back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. If you study through the scriptures, you'll find that Paul takes people back to creation account. You'll find Peter takes them back to the creation account. You'll find that Jesus takes them back to the creation account. Does he think it's a myth? No. He said, if I have told you earthly things and you don't believe them, what happens when I tell you spiritual things? How are you going to believe it? If someone comes to me and says, really, do you believe in the literal six days of creation? Do you believe in a young earth? Do you believe this is the one that boggles me, that the whole universe was spoken into the existence in one day. Do, do you believe that? Yeah, I, I do, but I, I got some other crazy things I believe. I believe there was a dead man named Lazarus, and he, he, was, in gray, he was in the tomb so long, he began to stink, and Jesus went over there and said, hey, Lazarus, come on out here. And that dead, stinking man got up and came out. Now, that's pretty crazy. I also believe some other crazy things. I believe that they killed Jesus, they put him in a tomb, and then three days later, he raised himself from the dead. And you know what he did? You know the first thing he did? He, probably, you know, he folded his grave clothes and laid them on, on the rock. That's how they find him when they, they go in there. <laughs> I believe some really crazy things. And I'll go back to Genesis and say, I do have a question about that six days of creation. What took you so long? What took you so long? You see, 
we got to get a bigger view of our God. He is a lot bigger than we give him credit for. And natural things and natural phenomenon, he can override those things. He can do his miracles in the midst of those things. And he can create something that scientists have a hard time figuring out. Now, at future times, we'll talk more about the evidence of, of um, the reality and truth of Genesis. But it, 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 I'll tell you what, I'll just tell you this. Somewhere along the line in my farm upbringing, and maybe maybe not a scientific, inquisitive kind of a person. I'll give you all that. I was taught that the scriptures were absolutely true. And therefore, what disagreed with the scriptures, well, we can study and try to figure out if we got the scriptures right, and I'll give you all that. But after we study that and worked on that and figured that out and said, no, no, I think this is exactly what it says. What disagrees with Scripture is wrong. Scripture's not wrong. This is the truth of God's Word. And it's interesting that we can take the virgin birth and believe it like it's the gospel when there is no way outside of a miracle that that can happen. There's no way that Lazarus can come out of a grave from a dead stinking man without a miracle. There's no resurrection of Jesus without the hand of God and a miracle. So therefore, why is it so hard to believe that God can do what he says he does in Genesis and then take us back to that to prove it? We'll pick this subject up next Sunday at Warner's. But I just will close with a couple thoughts here. We're going to have a baptism. And that baptism is a declaration of a person's belief that they needed a Savior. And they needed a Savior because there was sin in their life needs to be forgiven. So, baptism is a testimony to the truth of Scripture that says you're in need of a Savior, and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and that Savior is from sin, and that sin started with the rebellion of Adam and Eve. It's a public profession, public proclamation that I believe the truth of Scripture. Food for thought at Mountain Meadows today. If you are wrestling with whether to trust the creator of this universe, keep seeking him. Maybe this is the day that you put your trust in him.
Or maybe this is the day that you say, you know what? I'm a Christian, but I've been real wobbly on my trust of the Scriptures. I don't want to be wobbly anymore. One more observation. It has been my observation since I started teaching high school kids right down there over 55 years ago. It is my observation that churches and families and preachers that teach that Genesis is the real objective Word of God their children and their grandchildren have a much better t chance of following the Lord all through life, through high school, through college, and all through life than those kids that have been raised in homes where we've vacillated on these truths. Believe it. It's God's Word. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for this beautiful, beautiful place and what it means to all of us and what it means especially to me and my family and uh, my grandchildren, um, my friends and their kids, their grandchildren. The decisions that have been made here at camp to follow you, the marriages that have been uh, performed right here at camp that started a family of, uh, of people trusting you as their Lord and Savior. Wow. Lord, there's so many things we can be thankful for. But today, thank you for the unchanging truth of Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Bookmark. <laughs> Got to make sure my music sheets are all in the right order here after the wind blew them around. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Appreciate that. <laughs> you guys want to stand up? I think you sing better standing up, but you guys look so comfortable. I almost feel guilty right now asking you to stand up. <laughs> All right, let's sing together. to your will and if you had 
loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to love displayed you suffered in my place you bore the wrath reserved for me now all I know is grace hallelujah all I
I may never fully know the faithful weight of true obedience. It was held by him alone. What wondrous faith to bear that cross, to bear my sin. What wondrous love. My hope was sure when there my Savior prayed. Father, not my will, but yours be done. When I am lost, when I am broken, in the night of fear and doubt, still I will trust in my good Father. Yes, one, one. Jesus rose, so I shall rise in ransom glory at the throne. My heart restored with all your saints I sing, Father, not my will, but yours be done. As we go forth, our God and Father, lead us daily in the fight, that all the world might see your glory and your name be lifted high. And in this name we overcome, for you shall see us safely home. Now is your church our voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, as your church, we lift our voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving ceases. I all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, the fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was 
thank you for this day lord we thank you for we thank you again that we can gather together lord it just your word is truth we rely on your word for truth lord we just we thank you for that god we just pray that the baptism would go well today as we all dismiss and we head that way lord we just um what a what a glorious thing to do lord raised dead to the old life and raised to new life in you as we are declaring publicly to be identifying with you lord to be raised in your life. Lord, we just thank you for this day. In your name, amen. Yep. Josh. <laughs> we are, um, we're actually going to do a prayer time real quick. I think I may have. Well, I, I guess I'm just going to close in prayer. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was funny. I was I was sitting here listening to the music and, and hearing Jerry's message and um, just kind of contemplating a few things. I was just I was thinking about these trees um, looking here. And if you if you look at these trees, um, they're doing what God told them to do. God told them to do two two simple things. Grow closer to me and point back to me. And when these trees do that, not only do they themselves become magnified and beautified, but they do a whole host of other special things, not least of which is provide the setting to this beautiful camp. And these trees have been doing that for 
well, Jerry said 55 years, but longer than that, I would suspect, many of them. And they've been doing it through snow and sleet and rain and drought. And even when fire was at their gates, they still faithfully obeyed the Lord. And I was thinking about for us, uh, that I think that call is the same, for us to grow closer to God and point back to God. And um, when, you think about, when you think about one tree that does that, after a long time, it's a magnificent thing. But when you think about a lot of trees that do that, you could even say a grove of trees that do that. That's something really special. So as we uh, prepare to uh, see one of our own baptized into the fold today, would you uh, close in prayer with me and then we can walk down. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this special place. We thank you for this for this hollowed ground, Lord, and these trees that point back to you, Lord, and your scriptures that uh, so explicitly and, and um, perfectly guide us in our life, Lord. Lord, uh, we just pray that we could be faithful servants of you, Lord, and in a world where it seems the, the fires of hell are at our gates, Lord, let us be firmly grounded and rooted in your truth, Lord. Jerry's message today was a simple call. Do you trust me? Lord, and I pray that each one of us could say resoundingly, yes, we trust you. Lord, we thank you for the person here that is declaring that today, Father, that they trust you publicly. Uh, Lord, we pray for blessing on that and blessing on our camp and this body of believers. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. We can head down there.